The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marcia Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marcia Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Zeidel, your Smart Moves Coach, getting you on the right track, keeping you on the right track, and making sure you don't get sidetracked. Let's start with a Smart Moves question. Why is employee engagement so important? Here's what one executive said. A highly engaged employee sees the glass half full and wants to contribute to filling it to the top. That leads to higher service, quality, and productivity, which then leads to higher customer satisfaction, which will lead to increased sales, which ultimately leads to better business outcomes. My question to you listeners is, do you think people at your company are motivated and highly engaged in their work? Think again. 50% would rather be someplace else. Another 20% takes out their frustrations every day on the organization. Why has there been such chronic disengagement? And the bigger question is, why isn't it improving with a better economy? My guest today is Rex Miller futurist and author of The Millennium Matrix and senior partner for TAG Consulting. He will share his findings about employee engagement and disengagement from research he's recently done with a consortium of firms that include Google, W.L. Gore, Cummings Diesel, the Gates Foundation, the federal government, and 25 other organizations. Welcome, Rex. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Marcia, thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, let's start. You know, the title of this program is Google in Wonderland. What's on the other side of the rabbit hole? I find it so intriguing. Can you tell the listeners what's, the, what's this title all about? Sure, happy to. Well, our first initiative, when we first got together, uh, we were all looking at the whole issue of workplace engagement. Uh, we then had a summit at Google and started seeing that this whole thing about workplace engagement really gets to the very core and center of the way uh, Western business has been set up for the last 150 years. So we started seeing that what we're getting into is a lot bigger issue than just doing training about engagement and training managers about how to be engaged. 
it's really baked into the system of the way we structure and manage companies. And so, um, so, so when you say the other side of the rabbit hole, are you going to be talking about what that other side of the rabbit hole is going to be? Is that yeah. it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we started getting into just simple question. Can you design a really great engaging workplace? And then we started seeing that it's the culture of the workplace. It's the hierarchical structure of organizations. All these other things are on the other side of the rabbit hole regarding engagement. And then Google was just a great, we had a summit at Google and that was a big eye opener. Uh, they live in another universe altogether. Um, <laughs> They defy the economic laws of gravity, but it's a good insight as to what they're doing to keep people engaged. And even Google has some major questions they're trying to address about recruitment and retaining people because their biggest issue is what's going to keep people here at Google as opposed to going out and starting their own venture. So even Google that we kind of look at as the the epitome of workplace engagement, they're looking at this seriously as well. That's very, very interesting. Um, so let's just get back to some basics here. Um, why is the level of workplace dissatisfaction so high today? Um, and, um, and how long has it been a major problem? Well, we don't know exactly how long, but we know it's been at least 15 years. That's when Gallup began doing their workplace engagement surveys. And then you, you layer that into the work that uh, Towers and Perrin does and the Edelman Organization on Trust. And you see that this has been a systemic chronic issue for at least 15 years. Uh, and we've had a lot of people ask us when, when we're training and going out, presenting the material, well, is this a reflection of the economy? Because since 2008, I mean, no one would deny that that's been a huge morale uh, breaker for a lot of people. But quite frankly, the numbers have been consistent there. Uh, so what we started looking into is that the way we do engagement is indicative of the problem, because the normal process of assessing engagement is that the company will do a survey, an annual mm -hmm. survey or something like that. They'll get the results back and then they'll say, and the basic premise of the survey, and I'm going to be a little facetious here, but the basic premise is management's broken. We're going to figure out how broken they are. We're going to do a survey, figure out where the disconnects are. Then we're going to put, put them all through training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they all have to figure out how to make everybody engaged. And so this is that push down mentality of we'll survey, get the results, then push it down into management, make management responsible. In fact, their, their incentives are going to be tied to how engaged we are. But we're finding that uh, when, whenever you do that, there's kind of unintended consequences. And the unintended consequences is they teach to the test, in other words, just mm -hmm. like in high mm -hmm. school. So now we know what kind of scores we need to get. And once we've gone through the surveys once or twice in the training, everybody kind of gets understands how to play the game. Uh, we'll go into uh, groups that and man managers will confess, 
you know, since we did the survey six months ago, now I've got three new people. So is this about me? It's about the organization or we've just gone through a major organizational change. So the context of them understanding it is gone and nobody, you know, people don't put any trust in the numbers. And so it becomes a game. Uh, And it's a multi-billion dollar game that we're all playing. So what we saw, and we asked a different question, and that was the interesting thing about the consortium, is that what we're looking for is asking, are we asking the right questions to begin with? Mm -hmm. So we asked the question, what would it look like if we shifted the ownership for engagement away from management and gave it to the employees, gave them the language, the understanding of what it takes for them to be engaged because the basic premise is, I mean, engagement is such an individualized thing. With the Gallup uh, Strength Finder survey, for example, there's 33 million different combinations of the top five talents. How is any manager ever going to figure that out? So we do what we call carpet bombing engagement. You know, we just kind of blanket it through. And what we're discovering is that what engages you, Marsha, Yes. I may come up and may, maybe for you, it's a personal conversation each day and just mm-hmm. recognizing mm-hmm. that, hey, you did a good job. Mm-hmm. For Jim next to you, that's going to annoy the living daylights out of him <laughs> because he just wants to be left alone to do his job. So managers are in a no-win position on this whole engagement thing. So we've asked the question and flipped it and said, if managers had the language and employees knew what it took for them to be engaged, and we could have a conversation around that and, and go from pushing it down to pulling it, you know, that, that our job as management and the company is to, to source everybody's ability to be engaged. A good example, if, if any of your listeners have ever been to the Apple Genius Bar, you know, where you can yes, sign up yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and get help on anything you want, that's pull. That's what the pull is. I get an hour with somebody on my personal issues, uh, you know, making a photo album or a podcast or whatever it is, but it's about what I need. And you look at the people and we've had people go out and observe the genius bar. You see grandparents and kids and everybody, but the common denominator is they're excited, fully absorbed because they're solving something tailored to them. So, this whole concept of pushing engagement through the organization by doing these annual assessments that by the time they get rolled out, no longer reflect the structure of the groups that are in that you're trying to improve, taking away the burden of trying to guess the 33 million different ways <laughs> to engage somebody, <clears throat> shifting it. And so that was a big aha we saw. And, um, and we think that could really change the whole dynamic of how people uh, go after this whole engagement question. Well, you know, I got several insights from what you said, but a couple that just popped in my mind that, uh, from my experience in working with organ- within organizations is I agree with you that training, it's spray and pray. That's another term. You, oh, you I train love that. Love you that. Tra- train everyone and you hope and you pray that they get it. And generally, there's no reinforcement, and it's yes, we yes, I'm back in my job, and now I have more important things to do. Um, so that's one one insight I got, and the other is that we've 
I think, and I agree, we've always put the onus on the manager. The poor manager has so many other things to do. And now we lay on the manager, wow, you have to engage your people. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I think you're saying is that, I think two things, and I would like your, your input first, it's not just the manager responsibilities it's the employee's responsibility as well and that maybe it is also um, a collaboration between the manager and the employee and engagement um, what do you think about that oh perfect I mean it is uh, I'll, I'll give you one short story on this uh, we found a term in on the internet called cave c-a-v-e it's an acronym and we use that to describe that 20% you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. in the broadcast that, that are mm-hmm. out to do you harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and CAVE stands for consistently against virtually everything. <laughs> <clears throat> so we talk about the CAVE dwellers, and we know who they are. You know, We know who they are because when their phone number pops up on our, on our smartphones, we just don't answer. Or if we know they're in the workplace, we take an alternate route. They're the death eaters, the, the ones that just suck the energy out of you. <clears throat> but they do that because their lives, you know, the energy is getting drained out of them. Mm-hmm. So we were involved in a workshop with an organization, and we had a cave dweller there. <clears throat> and once we went through this whole concept of it's not the manager's job, but we'll give you the language to have the conversation, uh, he had dinner with the manager and finally said, I know why I've been an SOB for 25 years here and I don't want to be that way anymore. And he took ownership for it. Uh, The manager knew why he was being disengaged because the talents that he had were thinking talents and doing talents, nothing about people, you know, (laughs) and he was in a job they had to deal with union frontline People that have high school degrees, they get paid a lot of money, and he was dealing with politics every day. So, sure, he he doesn't have the natural talents to cope with that. So what happened to him is that, first, it's harder work because he's not naturally wired to do it. Then it's frustrating. Right. Then over time, it's stressful. Then it's he gets angry, and then he becomes a cave dweller. And you know what, Rex? Can we hold that thought? That's a, it's a wonderful story, and I want to hear the end of it. But it's now time for a short break. This is Marsha Zidle, your Smart Moves coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. My guest is Rex Miller, and he will return with more insights into employee um, engagement and the cave dwellers. Stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. 
Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zeidel, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back. This is Marsha Zidel, your Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth. My guest is Rex Miller, talking about employee engagement and disengagement and in the prior uh, uh, segment, he was talking about a great story about cave dwellers. And there is an ending to this story. So, Rex, what is it that happened to this cave dweller? Well, let's call the cave dweller Bob. Okay. So, so Bob understood why he was frustrated and angry every day. He went to his supervisor. And the supervisor now had the language and the understanding for what Bob does best because of how he's wired and why this particular situation drained him. So he was reassigned to a research and development team within 90 days when we came back to the group. Now, this group knew this new Bob as a longtime SOB, 25 years. <laughs> the second day, he got up in front of the team and said, I love you guys. This is the best place I've ever worked. And we had to literally stop the workshop at that point in time because people were pulling out Kleenex. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so he, you know, the disengagement for Bob was he was doing something he was not naturally wired to do, but didn't have the language to do it, didn't have the permission in the structure. But when it changed to like, as you referred to that collaboration with common language, uh-huh. instead of it being pushed on Bob, Bob was pulling for the right place to fit into the team to make a contribution. That is a great story, and it reinforces my belief um, that the, the that the right the right fit between the person and the job uh, is everything. 
Uh, yes, management counts. Yes, your culture counts. But but if if it's a wrong fit, you'll see people like Bob. If it's a right fit, you'll see people who are extremely engaged. And I think this this uh, story illustrates it. Now I'd like to move on. Um, we were talking, and you said from the research you've done from the consortium and and the and that there were several big ideas that came out of it. And I know our listeners would like to know some of those big ideas. One of the things you mentioned was um, around intelligence. Can you talk about that? The six types of intelligence. Yeah. Now this was another uh, really cool thing that we saw. Our methodology was to go out and find companies that were not necessarily the brand, the big brand names and big markets, but were doing great things. So we talked to companies like W.L. Gore up in Delaware, Cummins Diesel in Columbus, Indiana. And what we found is that they were really off the charts in certain kinds of what we called intelligence. Uh, now, this is not scientific. It's just our observation. Mm-hmm. For, and so we found six of them, six core areas that we found organizations excelled in that we could identify as distinct kinds of intelligence. The first one, if you, if you were to imagine kind of a circle in the middle and then quadrant uh, four quads around the circle, in the middle is the, the whole purpose part of it. Now, when we talk about purpose, what we found is, is not the mission statement and the purpose statement, but do people really have a grasp of what it is they're contributing to the greater world that if they were not here anymore, any longer, the world would miss them? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our people called it essence, but we called it purpose. And how intentional is the organization about maintaining that, cultivating it? And what do they do? What are the habits they do to keep that alignment alive? Right next to it is the culture piece. How intentional, again, does, does leadership and management work on the stories, the, the incentives, the symbols, uh, the recognitions all the fabric that, you know, when you go home for the holidays, where you retell the family stories and all of this kind of stuff. How intentional are they? So we found companies like W.L. Gore and Cummins mm-hmm. way off the charts on these types of things. And we saw Google, too, really, really works intentionally on that purpose side of the equation and the culture side. But then moving outwards, there's the business intelligence. And that's the stuff we all know about, the smarts about the business and how to run it and the competition and the marketing and the product development. The next intelligence we're starting to see more and more literature on and and more business schools focus on, and that's called the emotional intelligence. In our research, we found that that's the Achilles heel of most leadership teams. And when we talk about emotional intelligence, We talk about it in two ways. One is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes or to be able to to understand the consequences of the decision you make on other people. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is to care about it. (laughs) Uh, So so those are two things. And the interesting thing, we started observing that, but then we ran across research around the mirror neuron. And the mirror neuron is that part of you that when you see somebody like fall off a bicycle, for example, you kind of feel the pain, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you've, and so that's that ability to, to feel. But in the research, what we found is that 
what this research shed is that when people get in positions of power and authority, it begins to shut down that mirror neuron. And we thought, wow, what an interesting uh, validation of what we're observing in the field with research. Uh, a third, uh, another intelligence is stakeholder intelligence. Mm -hmm. How intentional are you about the people that don't work in your company? The families, the community, your suppliers, the education systems, wherever you recruit from, do you really cultivate and, and is there a stake? Do these stakeholders really have a say or do they modify your behavior? The one company we found way off the charts on this is Cummins Diesel in Columbus, Indiana. They actually have gone so far as to, to create a formalized process around stakeholder theory, it's called. Uh, and that was fascinating to us. And then the last intelligence we call foresight intelligence. How well and how intentional is the organization around seeing the external drivers that are changing what need, that, that have implications on changing what you do internally? Um, and then how well do you adapt to the ever-changing external environment? Uh, Shell Oil is a great example of an organization that has a well-embedded tradition of, the, you know, they've actually got the role of futurists in there. And they work on these scenario writing on what, what the futures, the potential different futures could look like. What are we doing to get ourselves ready for that? So those were six key intelligences we saw, and it all came out of a conversation we had with, with uh, one of the executives at Google who asked the question, how do you scale the magic? How do you continue to keep the magic growing? We actually had a summit at Google called Stewarding the Magic around that topic, and so we, we spent a full day on just that topic alone. But out of that, we started seeing these six intelligences that were key, and and to simplify it, it's really two things. You've got external growth, but external growth cannot continue unless you have internal growth as well. So it's that whole system thinking that comes when we talk about these six intelligences. As I listened to you and grasped the six intelligence, and you gave examples of different companies, Shell or uh, Google or um, um, Cummings Diesel, a thought came to me, is there one company that exhibits all these intelligence? And how do you get to that point? You know, that's a great question. We're still in search of the Holy Grail, so to speak. Uh, and... Uh, I think to, to every degree, every company has components of it. Uh, two that st stood out to us were W.L. Gore and Cummins Diesel. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Google comes pretty doggone close. Um, but, again, I don't think, you know, if you were to ask these companies, what do you do in those areas, a lot of them would say, I'm not even sure what you're talking about. <laughs> so... It, it's not something where it's formalized. It, it's it's right now, you might call it anthropological observation. 
And so um, if, if listeners saying, well, how can I use this? What is one or, one or one or two things that I can take away from, the, from Rex's overview, the six intelligences that I can start using in, as a manager, as a uh, sure. CEO? What are two things in, in, uh, that they can take away from this? Well, uh, I just uh, met with a large clothing, you know, global clothing manufacturer with their senior leadership team. So they used the six intelligences and they just individually rated where they thought they were on a one to 10 scale. Mm-hmm. And just to have the conversation. Uh, so I asked them to do a couple of things, define each category mm-hmm. for you, what's important for you and to rate yourself. And then let's have a conversation and see if, if you need to take some action in some areas. Uh, and they came away with some really important key strategic initiatives based on that. Uh, the other thing, too, is to, to move to this more pull orientation in terms of talents. There, there's, we like the Gallup Strength Finder Assessment mm-hmm. because it's easy to get. Right. It's well validated. It's probably the most common one. And it's easy to have conversations at work. Uh, University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Seligman's got a similar type of assessment. The advantage there, it's free. Uh, the mm-hmm. Gallup one is $10 if you do it online. It's 15 to $17 if you buy the book Strength Finder mm-hmm. 2.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those would be two things that you could do right now that, that I think could make a big difference. Well, you know, um, let's hold that thought because – it's going to be time for a break, and when we get back, I'd like to take it to um, to the level of the manager. What can the manager do? What are some of the things that um, uh, that you know listeners who are now who can say what are one or one or two things that I can do as a manager to start in reengaging or uh, my workforce? So. Um, listeners, it's time for a short break. This is Marsha Seidel, your Smart Moose Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. Stay tuned for more from Rex Miller. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luz Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. 
And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back, listeners. This is Marsha Zidle, your Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth. My guest is Rex Miller, and we are on a fascinating subject that's really important in today's workforce. It is employee engagement and disengagement. And, um, you know, what does this mean for the manager? If you're out there and you're managing your supervisor or first-line manager or you are a team leader, uh, what does this mean for you? So, so Rex... Um, what's the new role of managers today and for the future? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, the, the basic premise of the manager, which is probably a 70, 75-year-old concept, mm-hmm. was to take a particular group focused on a, a segment of what the company does, accounting, sales, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and you focus on optimizing that and making sure you don't step into somebody else's turf. Uh, in the military, it was critical because of what we call friendly fire. Uh, and the way organizations work is that the information comes from the top. You get your assignment. You focus on your assignment. And you make sure you do that extremely well. Uh, well, what's happened now is is the ability to get good information changes all of that. And now organizations are much more, the lines are blurred. I mean, the lines between human resources and facilities, you know, whenever a facility group moves, all of a sudden all this culture stuff gets flushed to the surface. And so who owns that? Is it HR? Is it facilities that's planning this move? Uh, So the old, ability to align authority with responsibility is is going away. So what is the new role of the manager? Because in one regard, the man, there's no more room for the manager. Just like the early secretarial pools, uh, uh-huh. pools that we had, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, and all this word processing, all that went away because now it was more, we're seeing that in the management role now. And so now we're looking to things like what the Navy SEALs do with special ops. You know, you have self-organizing teams and you have a team leader, but you've got to pull upon all the talents. What allows them to do that is they've got robust information on what the situation is in real time so they can make those decisions. So robust information systems 
have to enable that kind of what, what the military calls power to the edge. But you look at improv uh, teams, uh, you know, Drew Carey used to have a show where they would improv, learning how to play off each other is a new skill we're going to have to develop, whether it's mm-hmm. jazz or basketball, you know, these kind of high, high in motion things that you have to more choreograph than manage is where it's moving. And I don't think there's a lot of really good examples of that in the workplace. Now, uh, W.L. Gore has a great model for that. Uh, Valve Software has a great model. Uh, For Valve, uh, when they're working on a software uh, product, if you don't like where where that team is going with it, you just vote by your seat. All the workstations are mobile, so you just move yourself to another team and, and you go over there. Now that's on the extreme edge, right? Uh, right. But W. L. Gore, you know, now this is a company that's been doing this for uh, seventy-five years. They are structured like work teams, mm-hmm. so no business unit, in theory, no business unit gets over one hundred and fifty people. When you come on board with W. L. Gore, you don't have a job title; it's just an associate, and then business unit leader are the two. And then you need to find. You're not assigned a a, a business unit to go to. You have an advocate that helps you find a business unit where you can add value to. And so it's a different ethos, a different skill set. Uh, so those are kind of the, the, the two uh, prototypes we've seen that are working in this kind of more work group, self-organizing team type of mode. Uh, but it's going to move more and more towards that. So the pyramid no longer works in a world where things are iterative, mm-hmm. uh, the lines are blurred, you can't mm-hmm. align authority with responsibility. So the poor manager, I mean, <laughs> caught in the middle of it. And that's yes. why we have TV shows like The Office. I mean, The Office, uh, you look at how ineffective management is on that, but it's not because they're not good people and they're not skilled. Right, right. right. It's the nature of the work today puts them in this no man's land of how, you know, how do I uh, do my job because I'm depending on this group over there and that group over there, and I've got to give one of my people over here. Mm-hmm. So the so you lose that accountability side in the current structure. As you were talking about this, I two. Um, it seems like there's two kinds of changes that have to be made. One is on the individual who is has to develop the skill sets to work in this new work world, uh, whether it's learning collaboration, whether it's learning about one's strengths and how to best utilize one's strengths. But it also seems to me that the company, when you said they need an inf- um, a robust information structure, they also need, I would think, a robust talent structure to know who, who their talent, where their talent is and who their talents are and how to utilize that talent. Does that make sense? It's, it's what's being done in terms of talent management? Oh, great question. You know, I think companies are starting, we're, we're working with one right now. It's about a $5.5 billion firm, but they just put in a senior vice president of talent. Hmm. Distinct from HR, you know, HR still doing the uh, hiring, firing, workman's uh-huh. comp, job description, the, that, but they have somebody specifically in that role for talent. Uh, the hospitality industry, I think, is probably the best 
area where talent is very important and, and they re- because the service is all in the moment, you know, your experience with the person in the hospitality industry either makes it or breaks it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they're a good industry for the rest to learn from. Zappos is another great example of how much focus they put on getting the right kind of people who fit the culture and empowering them with the ability to use their talents to make decisions in real time. So those, those are some good examples. And just, uh, again, from my experience, uh, coaching and consulting in companies on both ends, working with the individual manager as well as the company executives, um, what I find is they're really good people. Most people want to do good work, and they have talent, and they have skills, but it's it's not a good fit. And, and then, therefore, no one's happy. They're not happy in their job. The company's not happy with them. And ultimately, they leave on their own, the individual leaves on their own, or they are told to leave on their own. So it seems to me this is a better way of connecting talent for, uh, of the individual with the needs of the organization. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, w- what you're seeing are these, what we used to call soft skills. Yes. Uh, they're rising to the surface. And so now companies are trying to figure out, well, how do we actually handle this so Mm -hmm. you know some are putting people that are curators of the culture Ah, okay Mm -hmm. you know you've got people that are focused on the talent side Mm -hmm. uh you've got like uh cummins that's working on the stakeholder side so you've got community you know they've got clusters within uh cummins diesel that uh have groups in the community so they're working on that community engagement side so, you know, what we know instinctively, the soft side, the soft side of the equation is becoming more and more important as the efficiency side is getting more and more defined through computer processes and things like that. So, you know, we have, um, um, this is the last part of, and so we have several minutes to talk about um, leadership because um, you know, and you used a phrase when we were talking a detached leadership. Can you tell the listeners what that means? Yeah. So leaders, uh, it, it, we've seen the, the epic stories of the king who's out of touch with the people and puts on the common clothes of the people and goes in and then all of a sudden discovers, whoa, you know, what I thought the the impact of the decisions that I thought was happening is completely different and, in fact, the opposite of what I intended. Look at McDonald's, for example, recently, who've gotten pummeled because of their program to teach their minimum wage workers how to save more money. Uh, you can see it started out with great intentions, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but the backlash is, well, why don't you just pay us an extra buck an hour or something <laughs> like that? You know, Then right. we could... So these, they start out as great ideas, but because the structure keeps the leadership detached from the consequences of the decisions, the knowledge of what's really going on. Mm. Um, so you have these discussions about solving problems, that, and you don't have context behind you know, what it is. Or you bring consultants in, and I'm a consultant. You know, consultants do a lot of damage because what happens is the leadership offloads 
the responsibility or the knowledge mm -hmm. to somebody outside who doesn't understand the culture and isn't one of the people and, and they take the recommendations and then just goes and implements it. Uh, and, you know, so we've, we've created an environment where leaders no longer trust their common sense. Mm -hmm. uh, they have environments where they no longer have a common touch. Right. Right. And so because of that, then they get these really weird, which on paper look like great decisions, but when you roll them out, become disasters. Uh, and, you know, Marsha, I know you, you work as a consultant too. How many times have you gone into an organization that implemented what looked like a great idea on paper, and now they're calling you in to try to clean up, right. take care of the emotional right. damage, right. Lick, you know, bind the wounds, let's bring this company back together again, all starting with good intentions. So, well, yes. Um, you know, when you talked about common sense and common touch, if those, if, if, if listeners can only re, not only remember it, but those two, two phrases, as a leader, I, I must have common sense and I must have common touch. Is there anything else that, that a leader needs to, to know or have so that they won't be so detached? Uh, permission for people to tell them what they think, <laughs> you know, uh, again, that getting back to the mirror neuron, they have to understand that in some way, uh, they become like a special needs child when it comes to, uh, getting the emotional intelligence side. And so they need people to speak truth to power. They need, you know, in the olden days, they had these things called prophets that would tell the king, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what they needed to hear. Well, where, who, who has that role in the corporations today? Uh, and how many times have we been in meetings where we said, Oh man, this, this is rude. And nobody, nobody, there's not a place to speak up. Uh, you don't know if you have permission to speak up. You're not sure if there are going to be consequences if you speak up. So building in that kind of, uh, you know, conscience and truth speaking is, is really vital for leaders. So, you know, it, it, those of you out there who are leaders, um, I think what Rex is saying is allow people to tell you what's on their mind and don't kill the messenger. Listen and don't kill the messenger. Well, on that point, we're going to take uh, another break. And when we come back, Rex is going to t tell us listeners how to contact him. Uh, and, and, you know, one tidbit, one keeper that he would like everyone to remember. So it's time for a short break. This is Marsha Zidal, your Smart Moves coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth. Stay tuned. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. 
There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus Drug Discount Card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96362. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Well, welcome back to... Uh, the Business Edge, I'm Marcia Zidal, your Smart Moose Coach, and my guest is Rex Miller, and we've had a fascinating conversation on employee engagement and disengagement and, and culture and management and leadership, and so much has been talked about. But Rex, what is the one thing that you want listeners to take back? What is the keeper? The keeper for me, Marcia, is that if you can help people tap into what they're naturally wired to do and create a culture and a language around the ability to talk about that, and, and when things aren't working well, you have a conversation to look at the why better and helping mm-hmm. people get into that right role. I, I think it's exactly what you were saying. So the keeper is that, and there's lots of good tools out there. Again, we like to use the Gallup tool the Strength Finder 2.0, uh, and we have some supplemental tools around that. But there, whatever you do use, make it a, as you said, that collaborative relationship as opposed to just being pushed down. Instead of spray and pray, get it into that very interactive conversation and have different people share what makes them tick and why. And building that kind of level of understanding really creates the kind of relational connection that allows people to to have trust, to do their best, and to have permission to move around to to get a better role if that's what makes sense. And Rex, if listeners want to contact you, uh, how can they do that? What is your website? And just tell them, you know, in about a minute or so, how to do that. Yeah, so uh, email and website are very simple. Rex at RexMiller.net. 
And then www.rexmiller.net. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, and, you know, we can send you some of the new research we're doing. Well, the book will come out next July through Wiley Publishing. But we're sharing whatever we're learning with people. So uh, people can, can just call or check and ask. Well, thank you so much, Rex. It's been a fascinating and short time with you. I would love to have you come back and talk more about employee engagement, about your research and your new book. Thank you. You're welcome, Marcia. It's time for Marcia's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. Your big idea, is it just a dream or can it be a real opportunity? Like many ambitious, forward-thinking leaders, you have an idea and want to make it happen. It could be getting a big project, a big contract, or even a company off the ground. So I asked a group of business leaders who have a track record of success this question. In turning your idea into a reality, what lessons can you share with us? It was a lively conversation. What I distilled was the five P's of success. This is what they said. The first P is purpose. To begin with, you must identify what it is that you really want to accomplish, and it should have meaning for you. Ideas are a dime a dozen, but if you're not passionately invested in your big idea, nothing will happen. Most people just give lip service to their ideas. The second is plan. Don't overthink it. Do your research, make a simple plan, and just go with it. Your plan will change as, your work, as you work your plan and as you see how the market reacts to your idea. What I often see is paralysis by analysis, in which nothing really happens. The third is people. You can't do things alone, and you will never accomplish things alone. Look at the iPhone, for example. It wasn't developed slow, solely by Steve Jobs. It was the creativity of many people. Hire the right people, go for quality over quantity, and pay them what they're worth. They will make your business prosper. The fourth is proceed. Ideas come and go. It's execution and follow through that will make them a reality. Every step you take will open the way for more clarity, more direction, more know-how. Whatever idea you have, test it out, and if it fails, it fails. Learn from it, but keep moving forward. The fifth P is persistence. Keep at it. It's as simple as that. Learn what works and what doesn't. But more importantly, learn to adapt. Recognize that you aren't going to always get it right, but have enough determination to stay the course in the midst of change, challenge, and at times, chaos. So listeners, here's a smart move tip for this week. Years ago, I saw Patch Adams, an American physician and social activist author, speak at a conference. He was asked the same question at the end of an amazing presentation. How do you make your big idea happen? His answer, every day do at least one thing towards your dream. 
Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's an email or a new book to read. Whatever it is, as long as it takes you one step closer to your dream. Listeners, what could you do today, right now, that will lead you closer to what you want to create, build, develop, get off the ground? I'd like to hear from you. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. When you do, I'll send you 60 ways to build a profitable business. You're listening to Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Next week's program is the new world of work. What does it mean for you? We have seen work move from the farm to the factory and then to the corporation and the cubicle. Today, work has moved again, only this time it's moved from the cube to the cloud. The new world of work is unlike anything we've ever seen. For example, 58% of all work will be contracted in the next five years. Over one-third of the global workforce will be virtual in the next five years, and workers now compete for projects and companies who will also compete for talent in a new way. Terry Maxwell, president and CEO of Share on Purpose, will show us how business can maximize next-generation talent to build a competitive strategy. So tune in September 4th at 11 Pacific, 1 Central, to hear Terry Maxwell. Finally, one more Smart Moves tip for the coming week. Money may get people in the door, but it doesn't impact how well they will do their job. When you take care of the people charged with taking care of your customers, they will take care of your business. That's up to you as leaders. What are you doing to show your appreciation and concern for your people? I'll end with my favorite saying, there are three kinds of people in this world, those who make it happen, those who let it happen, and those who asked, what happened? Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. Call me now for a free consult at 972-380-9181 or email Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in every week, 11 Pacific, for the Business Edge with Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Executive Coach and Speaker helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their companies, firm or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth, innovate, improve, ignite or die, make smart moves. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.